any of those small thoughts of God are magnificently transcended in Psalm 139. And yet, as the psalmist conveys to us the grandeur and the greatness of God, he makes it very, very personal. It's a, it's a unique blend of, of what um, the greatness of God and yet making it very personal in our own lives. And I'm sure many of you have heard various verses of Psalm 139, but it's broken down. The first six verses tells us something about God, and then the next six verses tell us something about God, and then the next six verses. And we want to look at those and then see when we understand these truths, these three truths that are mentioned in this psalm, the impact that that should have on our life. The first truth in the first six verses is that God knows everything about me. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. And he says, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. So he starts listing all these things. God knows our every action. Every action that you have ever done, he knows that. Every time you sit down, every time you stand up. He knows our every thought. I mean, that's an overwhelming reality, isn't it? We can, we can have a lot of things take place in our mind that no one else ever knows about, but God knows our every thought. He comprehends our path and understands all our ways. He's acquainted with all our ways. Every mannerism, God knows. Every idiosyncrasy that we have, God knows intimately every detail of that. Verse 4, there's not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Every word that we speak, God knows it. I mean... The psalmist is saying, God knows every detail of my life. He knows every motive of my life. He has perfect knowledge of me, past, present, and future in all his ways. God knows everything, not just everything, but he brings it down and he says, God knows everything about me. I mean, God knows things about us that we don't know about ourselves. And the reality is, this is an overwhelming thought to the psalmist. And then he goes in, and verses 7 through 12, he basically says, God, I can run, but I can't hide from you. He says, no matter where I go, you are there. If I ascend up into the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, if I go to the uttermost parts of the sea, you are there. 
if I think the darkness will hide me and cover me. He says, no. No matter where I run, no matter where I go, I cannot hide from God. And the good part is, no matter where I go, it's not that we want to hide from God. There are times that we've wanted to hide from God. But wherever we go, God is there with us. I mean, what a delight that is to rest in that. And then in verses 13 through 18, we learn that God specifically designed me and you with love. No wonder God knows me. He made me. And, and verses 13 through 16, if you need proof verses for the sanctity of life, right there they are. God has fearfully and wonderfully made us. The word fearfully that he uses here means literally, I am shuddering with astonishment. I am trembling in awe when I understand how fearfully and wonderfully you have made me. I mean, we are, we are making great advances in our scientific and, and medical research. And every advance that we make is a confirmation of these verses that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The miracle of the human body. Consider every second more than 100,000 chemical reactions take place in your brain. Every second. More than 100,000 chemical reactions take place in your brain. It has 10 billion nerve cells to record what you see and hear. Think of this. That information comes to your brain through the miracle of the eye, which has 10 million receptor cells, rods and cones, in each eye. Did I say 10 million? It's 100 million, okay? And I know these, these figures are, we can't wrap our mind around it, but it's there to tell us that we can't wrap our mind around it. Your retina always ha- also has four other layers of nerve cells. Altogether, the system makes the equivalent of 10 billion calculations a second before an image even gets to the optic nerve. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Once it reaches your brain, the cerebral cortex has more than a dozen separate vision centers in which to process it. So this is just, this, this is just when you see something. All these hundreds of thousands and billions of things are taking place. Let's take a look at your tear duct. They supply bacteria-fighting fluid to protect your eyes from infection. 
The tears that fight irritants differ from the tears of sadness. They're different tears. The tears of sadness contain 24% more proteins. I don't know the reason why for that. I just say, wow. So when you're crying tears of sadness, they're different than the tears of when you get dust in your eye from weed eating, okay? Well, you may have both the tears then, all right? (laughs) They go on to mention the miracle of the ear, how it translates sound waves into meaningful speech and sounds. Part of your brain regulates voluntary matters, such as muscle coordination and thought processes. Other parts of the brain control involuntary processes, such as digestion, glandular secretions, the rate at which your heart beats, and so on. How did it accidentally happen that your body could speed up the heart rate to the proper speed to meet increased oxygen demand when you exercise or work hard and also slow it down when that need is met. I mean, you think of the the automatic thermostats that are in your body. One square inch of your skin has about 625 sweat glands. One square inch. One square inch of skin has 19 feet of blood vessels and 19,000 sensory cells. Working in coordination with your brain, all of these together, it maintains your body at a steady 98.6 degrees under all weather conditions. Incredible, isn't it? Your stomach has 35 million glands which secrete the right amounts of juices to allow your body to digest food and convert it into stored energy for your muscles. To avoid digesting itself, your stomach produces a new lining every three days. Amazing, isn't it? Your body is an efficient machine. To ride a bicycle for an hour at 10 miles per hour requires only 350 calories That's the energy equivalent of only three tablespoons of gasoline. Not saying to take three tablespoons of... It's saying the energy in three tablespoons of gasoline you can is what is needed to ride a bicycle. I mean, this body is an amazing thing. You have 200 bones, each shaped... More than 200 bones, each shaped for its function. Intricately, see, my body can't even say it all. They are intricately joined together and lubricated joints which cannot be duplicated by modern science or medicine, and I'll give a first-hand report of that. My artificial knee does not work as good as my real knee, but it works better than my bad knee that they replaced, okay? Okay. No matter what, my hearing aids, which I left at home today because my mind is failing and I forgot to put them in, does not work as good as my natural ear when it had its full hearing. 
They can't make a hearing aid regardless of what they tell you. You can't redo what God has done. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. There are more than 500 muscles connected to these bones. Some obey willful commands. Others perform their duty in response to unconscious commands from the brain. And they all work together to keep us alive. We could go on and on and on. But God specifically designed you And God loves you. And it says, verse 17, the psalmist said, How precious are your thoughts toward me. How great is the sum of them. There are, there are various things that come into our lives that we don't understand, but God has a purpose for them. And it is a purpose that will glorify Him as we submit to them. But it's not just that God knows everything. It's God knows everything and he knows me, the psalmist says. It's not just that God is everywhere, but it is he is everywhere with me. It is not just that God created everything, but God created me. Now, If we really come to grips with these truths, it will produce certain fruits in our life. And uh, the natural progression of the psalm, the fruit that it produced in the psalmist's life, is a desire for purity of heart. Notice if you'd look in verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts or my anxieties and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David came to the God of perfect knowledge, the God of constant presence, knowing that he was a God of love and that he could be trusted to take his heart his soul, and his all, and to say, search me and know me in the deepest levels. God, since you already know everything about me, you know every word I've spoken, you've known every thought I've, I've um, thought that's ever entered my mind, God, I desire to have a purity before you. This is not so much a prayer that God may know him, because he already knows him, but rather that David might know himself through God's purifying and refining fire. It's it's easy for us to have a view of ourselves that is not real. And the psalmist said, God... You know me. Now would you help me to know me? And would you help me to see the wicked ways that are in my heart? And purify these. And and he came to God knowing that it is only through God that we have forgiveness of sins. Only through the work of Jesus Christ. And only... The purifying, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. So he's saying, God, 
I can be blind to my own sin. I can be blind to my own wickedness. And we are. And he says, God, this, this understanding, you know everything and you are everywhere and you have specifically made me and designed me and you love me with an everlasting love. I now submit myself to you and I am asking you to purify me. I am asking you to cleanse me and to lead me. There are two elements to a holy life in these verses. First, I must constantly expose my inner life to God. I'll never be pure until I expose and open my heart up, my inner life to God. And secondly, I must constantly yield my whole life to God. Not just, oh, okay, God, show me, but God, I am, I am willing to do what you tell me to do. Lead me. Notice what he says. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He was willing. It's like he's, he's taken the, the bridle and he's given it to him. Now lead me. Lead me in the way everlasting. I am willing to follow. David wanted God to examine him and to look. It's interesting. The word in, in verse 23, try me and know my thoughts. It, it really is know my anxieties. God, show me the things that I am worrying about, the things that I am troubling my own soul about that I don't need to be. We desire to go in the way everlasting, but the way everlasting comes with the purity of heart. Not purity of actions. You can have pure, that appear pure actions and not have a pure heart. We can go along with the system, but never have a pure heart. And David said, God, you already know my heart. I may fool other people, but I can't fool you. You know my heart. I'm going to quit playing this game. Here it is, God. Show me. Help me to see my heart. So first of all, it it gives us a burden for a purity of heart. Secondly, Understanding that God knows everything about me, that God is always with me, and that God specifically designed me with love, in love gives me great comfort in trials. He knows what I can take. He knows what my needs are. He is with me. He has a purpose for the trial. And there come various trials in life. You may be here today and you may say, you say that God designed me. And you might say, well, why did he design me with this physical issue? Or why did he design me in this family that that has great turmoil and trouble and and you might say, God, why if, if God loved me, why did He design me with this 
burden that, that you have wrestled with all your life? Humanly speaking, we may not have an answer to those specific things. But the psalmist says, rest in this. God knows. And God has a purpose for it, and God will use it. Even even the evil that comes into our life through the choices of others, that, that we bear the consequences of because of their evil choices, even that, God is able to make all things work together for good to them that love God and are committed to His purpose. And God knows and, and there are some of you that have experienced things that you don't know that anybody else knows. But the psalmist says, no, God knows. And he loves you and he wants you to come to him. And he will give you the grace and the power to walk in victory. And, and there may be situations in life that no one else will ever know. But the psalmist says, God knows, and that gives me great, great comfort in life. The vast majority of of you have had things come into your life, difficult things that you can't even verbalize, and, and, and you don't know what to do about it. And God says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's groanings which we cannot other, Romans 8 says. But God knows. The Spirit of God makes intercessions for us. And to know, God knows when I sit down and when I rise up. He understands my thoughts afar off. The greatest comfort is to know that God knows and that God will make all things right. God is a God of justice and God will bring justice. And we need not trouble ourselves with bitterness and carrying an unforgiving spirit. He knows what the problem is. He knows your heart. He knows what you feel. He know, He alone knows what the solution is. And He is our only help. The Lord's our rock. In Him we hide a shelter in the time of storm. And the psalmist said, This provides me great comfort in my trials. And thirdly, when we come to grips with these truths that that God knows and God is everywhere with me and he specifically designed me and he loves me, it will give me strength to resist temptation. Just imagine if if this were to happen. When, When you left church today, this, we're just imagining this, okay? That Jesus Christ showed up and he said, I am going to physically be with you all week this week. And you heard the message. You're, you're just leaving the church. But he's reminding you. You heard the message. I know everything you think. I know everything. 
Do you think it'd make a difference in how you respond to temptations this week? You better believe it would. Go to get on the internet, and oh, maybe I better not go to that site, huh? Go to work, and you start griping about the boss, and oh, maybe that wouldn't be too pleasing to the Lord. Or you think a thought, what an idiot. And you look and there's Christ going, man. If we would come to grips that God is with me, it would give us power to resist temptations that come into our life. And the reality is, He is with us. And He does know every thought. And he, He's not just walking around like playing whack-a-mole that when we do something wrong, He wants to whack our head down. He loves us. And He, he wants what is best for us. And, and He says, no, this is the way you want to go because that way leads to death. That way will bring sorrow. This is the way of life. You read the story of Joseph, and we don't have time to go into it, but over and over again it says, and the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph lived with the presence of God. Potiphar's wife came tempting him, and and he said, no, I, I cannot do this against my boss, Potiphar, or against my God. The reality of God's presence with him gives us strength to resist temptation. And then, fourthly, understanding these truths and letting them permeate our soul will give us an increase of faith. Since he is so great in his design, since he is all-knowing and ever-present, I can trust him completely. The closer we grow to God, the greater our love for Him will be, and the greater our distance from sin and wickedness will be. A.W. Tozer said, he personalized this psalm with this prayer. Lord, please root from my heart all those things which I have cherished so long and which have become a very part of my living self so that thou mayest enter and dwell there without a rival. Notice what he said. God, there are things that have, that I've cherished in my heart that have just become a part of me, but they rival you. And God, would you show me those things and would you purge those things so that you may dwell in my heart without a rival? The psalmist came to grips with this and he said, God, you know everything about me, every detail you have designed me. And I, I am accepting your design and I am submitting to you because you alone have a purpose for all of this, and you alone can make this to glorify you as we submit to him.
my heart's prayer is that every one of us would come to realize that God knows everything about me and he still loves me. He knows everything. And and don't let Satan say, yeah, he knows you're a dirty, rotten scoundrel and nobody else knows this about you. And God does, so you think he won't have anything to do with it. No, he knows everything about you and he loves you enough that he sent his son to pay the penalty for our sin. And he longs for us to come to him. And he designed you. And as we accept his design and submit to him, then and only then can we know the greatness of God. Heavenly Father, I pray that these truths would become a living part of our lives. Lord, I pray that we would leave here today with the heart's desire, Lord, search me. And try me because you know everything. You are everywhere. You design me. Lord, I gladly submit to you because I know you love me. Now, Lord, purify me. And Lord, I pray for individuals that may be going through great difficulties, maybe in their life have experienced great hardship. Lord, may the comfort that you know And not just that you know that you care and that you are willing to work. May that bring comfort and encouragement. May our faith be strengthened. And Lord, I pray in this coming week that your presence would be made real in our lives. And that because of it, we would walk in your ways and turn from the ways of the wicked. Lord, thank you for your love. I pray that you would find in us willing hearts for your, your work in your way. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.